Welcome to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. A podcast for actors, by actors, about acting. And here's the host, Christina Kipper Halstead. Hi, and welcome to episode four of Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina. And on this podcast, I feature interviews with actors, writers, directors, and everyone involved in the performing arts from stage to screen, including those artists living in the regions outside of New York and L.A., where the rules of the business can sometimes be a little different. The main goal of this podcast is to create community, learn from other artists, and share inspiration with others. Please join in our community by leaving a comment on my website, livingthedreamacting.com, or by liking us on Facebook and leaving your comments there. In this episode, we once again head to Las Vegas, Nevada to interview professional singer and actress Janine Valentine, who, as of this recording, can now add TV personality to her list of accomplishments. Please stick around for that while we do a little catching up. First of all, I'd like to start off by saying that I cannot believe how long it took me to get this episode released. So much has been going on. School started for my son. He came back home from being away during the summer. Uh, Lots of changes at work and just some family things that I needed to deal with that have just really taken up so much of my time. And it was a real challenge to figure out what balance looked like or to rebalance somehow and make time for things like this, which are important to me. And again, it's taken me a while, but finally I've gotten it back together. And uh, originally when I was first putting this podcast together, it was early August and it was right also when we had found out that Robin Williams had passed. And I had remembered that when I was a child, he was the only comedian that could get me just hysterically laughing. My mother always said I was a very sober child. I was just very serious, even as a little, little girl. But when Robin Williams would come on, um, on Mork and Mindy, because I would have been too little to see, you know, some of his more intense stand-up routines. But when I would watch Mork and Mindy, I just would laugh so hard that I couldn't breathe. I was just crying. And I remembered that about him, and I know that it really affected me when he passed, and it was really difficult to hear that this depression led to him wanting to take his life. You know, I don't didn't know him personally in any way. I don't even know how many, as an actor, how many degrees of separation I am from Robin Williams in particular. I'm a lot closer to certain other people than I would be to him. So it wasn't someone who was in my life or on the outskirts of my life, but I was really emotional. I felt really emotional about that loss and it really hit me hard. And I, and I thought it was just so sad and it really caused me to start reflecting on my own life. Uh, depression itself is such a difficult, difficult disease. And actually there, there was a lot of depression that there's a lot of that disease in my family. I have even struggled with that disease. It has caused me many times to be interrupted on my path of wanting to do things as an artist that I 
would like to do. And it, his passing really brought up so many issues, so many thoughts, so many questions. And I really started reflecting on what was important to me, what I believed in, how I felt about myself, how I felt about my life, my path, myself as a mother, as well as an artist. And I really started digging in deep and I noticed that I had been making some choices that weren't supporting me in my life as to who I really am. I had been, I noticed that I am not really in touch. I'm not really living in the place that my spirit feels the most alive in. Even though it's a city where there's supposedly a lot more opportunities in my field or a lot more opportunities for me as an actor, I've actually not had opportunities come become available to me the way I did when I was living in a smaller town where I was more connected to nature um, and the outdoors and living among beautiful mountains. And I was actually more successful in that area than I have been in this larger city. And I started realizing that I was in pursuit of validation through um, equity, you know, the, the pursuit of becoming an equity actor or a SAG union actor. Even though I've worked with many SAG union actors, I've worked with many equity actors, I've worked across Broadway or former Broadway actors completely holding my own. And yet I was feeling, I didn't realize I was feeling less than, and I was pursuing something that I, I felt I needed in order to validate me as an artist, but even more deeply as a person. So it's interesting how we hear about something like the passing of Robin Williams, how it brings up, it can, it can cause us to reflect and check in and make sure that we're taking a good hard look at ourselves and where we are and where versus maybe where we need to be. I'm really grateful for the insights and I'm actually looking to make some major changes very soon. And I'll keep you guys up to date as these changes occur. And in the meantime, we've got part two of Janine Valentine's interview. So I hope you enjoy it. Well, so now you, so you've had auditioning experience um, in multiple locations. What is it? That was a great story about what it's like in New York, and I remember other people telling uh-huh. me the same thing. But what was it like auditioning in Vegas? Well, Vegas is a, there is a stigma because because Vegas is known for showgirls, you know, and and it's like here I am, I'm five two. <laughs> You know, a little petite little thing, and I, I've never worked as a showgirl, and I've never worked topless in my nearly two decades of, of having a career out in Las Vegas, which is quite an accomplishment I'm very proud of, I have to say. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, thanks. But there is a stigma that people don't realize. It's like, I'm not from Vegas, and even if you are, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? There's no exotic people in Las Vegas. I'm not... 
I'm not saying that, but, you know, a lot of us are from New York and from L.A. And, you know, other, I mean, Vegas is, is just a, it's becoming an, another melting pot. It's, we call it the Broadway of the West. I mean, there's so many shows out here now that encompass more than just showgirls, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and more than just the, you know, what everyone thinks is, you know, if you say you work as a dancer in Vegas, they're like, oh, like, not that kind of dancer. You know, like, yes. there's other kinds of, you know, not just the topless, exotic kind. They call it exotic dancing. That's what it is now. It's not topless. All right. It's not just that. You know, there's other forms of, of dance out here in Vegas. Uh, Mama Mia just reopened here in Las Vegas at the Tropicana. They are fully clothed. I guarantee you. I saw it. It's a great production. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of a lot of shows are opening out here, which is just it's just great for the community that's out here because it's it's really it's really grown and it is a very tight community. Um, you know, I'm very good friends with a lot of the people that are in Jersey Boys, and I'm very good friends with a lot of people in Mama Mia and. You know, then you turn around and I'm good friends with people that are, you know, like Cliff Boys Oasis, who I went and saw at a cabaret, a little jazz cabaret last night. And so there's a nice little local community that supports, um, you know, the, the theater as well out here and live music. It's not as big as, as New York, but it's growing. It's growing and, it, and it's promising. So it definitely has a lot of potential. Well, and, and what was the, um, I was just curious about what the auditioning was like out there. Uh, it's, well, it's, I mean, it is kind of, it's, it's similar to New York. I mean, you don't have to sign up anymore, but, you know, if you don't have your equity card, you still have to wait, you know, for an opening on or the open call, and there's still, it's like a cattle call. Yeah. So, you know, most people don't, I mean, most people, are, I never went to cattle calls. I don't know if I, you were going to say I was a snob or diva or whatever, but I always went, no thanks. Can't. I just, didn't want to put myself, it would bring me down, mentally bring me down. So mm-hmm. they still have cattle calls out here. Um, but, you know, this thing in Las Vegas is not as many people, that's for sure, as, you know, New York. Everybody's trying to make it in New York. But they don't, they tend to still not hire in Las Vegas. They will, they will, would rather waste the producer's money, in my opinion, and bring people in from New York and from L.A. and put them up and pay their per diem and they don't, I mean, they rarely, I think the cast from Mamma Mia that just opened a couple months ago, they hired two people from Las Vegas in like a 35-person cast. And it's, I mean, it's kind of sad because there's much more talent than that in Vegas. I mean, and, and like I said, I'm from New York. You know, I'm New York trained. I say that right from the beginning. I am New York trained. I didn't train in Vegas because there is a stigma still hmm. that, that Vegas is training, you know, lounge singers and showgirls. And that's not true. And lounge singers, they think of it like, you know, dog is yeah. No, that's not. Lounge Jeez. singers today are, are doing, you know, Lady Gaga and Bruno Mars. And they're, you know, they're hip. And it's really a, a, amazing, you know, form of entertainment. And they're very, very good. Um, but that's that's just the stigma that's here. And, and there's, yeah, they don't, they don't look at us as professional actors and actresses and, they bring in, even national commercials that hire out here in Las Vegas will bring in the talent from L.A., most likely. And it's really sad. Hmm. Now, did you... definitely out here. When did you... Did you get in the union through um, Starlight Express? Or... Uh-huh. Yeah. And then... Starlight. What about SAG? <clears throat> What's the film um, 
What's the film community been like that you're that you're aware of? I know you've done a little bit while you've been out there. Yeah, no, I've done some. Uh, I've done some film and some TV and some pilots and um, local commercial, a lot of local commercials and voiceovers and a couple of national commercials. Um, actually, I'm, I'm not a union advocate. I'm really not, and I know some people are like, "Thank you, buddy," and I'm like, "Why?" Uh, I think they honestly prevent us from working. Equity and after more so than than help us. Because um, if you're a union stagehand and you're unemployed, you go to the stagehand union. You go to the hall and you you know you say I'm unemployed and they help you look for a job and they get you a job, right? But because if you're an actress or a singer or a dancer and you go to Equity and you go I'm unemployed now and I need a job, they go That's nice. Mm. <laughs> you're like. But I paid you. I paid you money too, just like the stagehand. So it just it works so different, and I haven't really found. And I might be an enigma, but I haven't really found the pluses. I think unions had their place, and they helped us in the day. You know, in the automotive industry back in the you know forties and fifties and stuff. But honestly, today, I, I don't. I don't. And, and please, somebody, you know, who's listening, listening, you know. Tell me what what the you know what what the great things are about unions. I am I am an open book. I will be more than happy to listen. But being involved in unions for decades, I'm go I'm still going. Well, what again? I gave you money and you're doing what for me? I mean, the health insurance they provide is great, but you're still paying a little premium. And I I don't know. I just I don't understand why I'm giving them a ton of money. Yeah. I don't see what the what the I'm not even think of the word right now. What you know what what the the positive. So, yeah, you're just let me know. not a fan. Got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, because a lot of the productions out in Vegas are not union. And the majority of the productions I've worked with in Vegas have not been union shows. So I let my card go from time ago, I have to say. That's actually... Um, but SAG is, I mean, actually my, my husband is a casting director out here. Um, that's not his primary job, but... Because he's a he's a New Yorker, I mean, he's very honest again and shoots from the hip, and so people you know like him and, and go to him for that kind of stuff. And you know he's he's casted like the national uh, uh, Las Vegas you know convention when they you know um, what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Some of those he works with that agency out here in Las Vegas, and uh, it's, it's, it is a very interesting. But they they again don't have a lot of respect for Las Vegas actors because the agencies. Not him. He's a casting director, but the casting agent, which is another another level. They tend to like I can I'm signed up with uh, three different casting agents here in in Las Vegas. So when an audition comes about, I get notices from three different agencies, and they all want all want to represent me on this. And I'm like, well, whoever emails me first, that's who I'm going with. But because of that, this this can be again it's a cattle call, and they will send. You know, they're looking for, like, two females, age 20 to 30, and then all of a sudden, every agency is sending, you know, 50 and 60 girls. Mind you, there's five and six agencies, and now there's 200, 250 girls. And you show up, and you're like, they want a 20 to 30. Why are they sending a 60-year-old? Mm. They have no respect for, like, the breakdown, and they just they just want money. So they send every, they send the casting notice to everyone, it's like, and it's just the casting director's my husband included, the ones who come in from L.A., the producers from L.A., they just roll their eyes and they go, really? Can you just abide by, you know, what the breakdown? <laughs> like, 
and, and why are you why are you why are you people signed up with more than one agent? Like that makes no sense to us because you're exclusive in LA and New York. You are exclusive with one agent. Yeah. Yeah. Out here you you have to deal with a ton of different people. It's it's so backwards. My husband really has been an advocate in trying to change it and make it more like New York and more like LA and he's just not getting anybody to, you know, to compromise and, and go, look, we really need to, you know, act more <laughs> like these cities if we want to be looked at with, you know, the utmost professionalism. So, unfortunately for the film, and, and I mean, a lot of uh, films that come in here, they, they will hire locals to do extra work, which is you're working 12 or 15 hours for $150. I'm sorry, I don't need it, the money that bad. I don't want to do that. So it's it's very interesting out here. It's a completely different animal. Even people who come out here with they're like, look, I got hundred thousand dollars. I want to produce a show out in Vegas, and we're like, that's a different animal out here compared to L.A. and New York. You know, off Broadway is way different in Las Vegas. So it's yeah, I can't, it's a whole different marketing. It's it's just it's a, just a different animal out here. So anyone who wants to move out here and have a career really got to, you know, do your homework because it is way different than anything you've ever experienced. I just got lucky. Right place, right time, you could say. Now, do they um, do they run casting director workshops out there um, that they're encouraging people to go to and have you ever attended? Yeah, and you, yeah, and you have to pay for it. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, is yeah. it is it uh, more ex- more expensive? You don't believe in that? No, I yeah. yeah, I know a lot of people have um, very strong views on that in general. Um, and yeah. I, I know here it's really in... really hard to find any, any legitimate, like, courses out here. Um, and, you know, because you get in, and, and, you know, I don't mind paying for an acting class, um, but you get in and all of a sudden it's either like, well, now you need to pay us $250 and we're going to give you headshots. And you're like, what? Huh? I have my headshots already. Yes, but you need our headshot. You know what I'm saying? It's stuff like that. It's a gimmick. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going on around around in Las Vegas, and you have to be really careful. Um, but then again, there's a lot of legitimate. It's, I mean, it's you really just need to find the niche, you know. And I, I I guess because I've been here almost two decades, and you know now I have friends that I did Starlet Express with a long time ago who have hung up their skates and become professional photographers and, and, you know, professional dance teachers. So, no, I have these people, you know, that I can call on when I when I need it. I know they're legit. I know they're going to give me, you know, a good price and, you know, voice teachers and stuff like that that I'm constantly referring people to. I'm like, this is where you want to go. And um, so I've built my little, my little community, and I, I love it. I'm, I've been very blessed. And I've always wanted to move to L.A. because I miss the ocean. I miss the water so much. But ultimately, I think I'm going to be here in Vegas for a very long time, as long as I want to be here, I think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, my children were born here. Never thought I would raise kids in Las Vegas. Are you kidding me? My daughter, <laughs> Sabrina, is 11. My son, Nico, is, is 8. And uh, we go the charter school route because the schooling here is questionable. And, um, but yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm raising kids in Vegas. But, and, and you know, currently, I'm... I'm actually ironically performing with another Buffalo native and huge, huge following in Buffalo and, and, uh, Ohio and, and Detroit and all that. Um, which is the Shintas. 
so now I'm I'm downtown at the D. Used to be Fitzgerald's, but uh, um, they came in a couple years ago and renovated it, and it's all you know purchased furniture. It's all American made, which is beautiful. And uh, now I'm in the Funky Shinto show. I've been there um, over a year, and he's another you know born and born and raised in Buffalo. And it's just funny how we we tend to flock together. And uh, it's just a nice little, like, you know, shoot from the hip, sing from your heart tiny community that I'm in. And I absolutely, I adore it. I'm really, and it's nice to talk to you about, about it because, not that I forget, but the day-to-day, you know, day-to-day, you know, I, you know, I have a, a, a two-story house, and I have a husband, and I have two kids, and I have two dogs, and that kind of, you know, the day-to-day can, can be overwhelming sometimes. But I get to wear that hat, and then I get to turn around, and five nights a week, I get to, you know, put my lashes on, and get to go and, and entertain people still. And I, I'm just blessed. I absolutely, I, I love, I love evoking emotion from people. So if I can get you to laugh and cry in one night, I'm like, yay! <laughs> it makes me happy. I love being able to give back in that way because being on stage for me is a, is a very spiritual experience. It's like being pregnant was the closest to God I've ever felt and ever been because it's, 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 you know, and everybody has their own religious beliefs, and, you know, whatever you believe in, great, you know, I'm, but my beliefs, I'm, you know, I'm very, very Christian, um, very spiritual, and, and, you know, having a human being, you know, grown perfectly inside me, and, and now thriving on this earth, it's just like, every day I look at my kids and I go, really? Holy crap. And I mean, it's really absolutely amazing to me, and the fact that my my daughter's been singing for several years now, and she performs once a month um, at a place here in Las Vegas called the Bootlegger. And she just gets up there and belts it out, and I'm like, oh, no, she gets it. Uh-oh. I didn't get it that young. You know, I think I just yeah. got it, for crying out loud. And my son <laughs> is taking hip-hop, and he is a little ham, and he is a little actor. Like, any kid you see on the Disney Channel, he's got it. He's got that. And if mommy wasn't so selfish and wanting to still pursue her career, I could totally take him to L.A. And I already have an agent who said he would sign him off for because he's got it. And I'm like, let's let him have a little more of a child. He's only eight. Let's have a little more of a childhood, shall we? Yeah. But he's already been asked to audition for the Beatles Love Show because they have four kids like ages 8 to 12 or something. In the, and I'm like, oh, man. So <laughs> happening for my kids. And I'm going, wow. So I don't know if I can keep that from them. But yeah. <laughs> it's really been, and the city has really been in like all embracing community. And I have made, made some very amazing, tremendous lifelong friends. I actually also, about four years ago, um, was introduced to a young man who grew up in Rochester, New York. And a uh, young man, he's older than me, kidding. So, um, <laughs> and he uh, graduated with a master's in, in opera from Santa Barbara. But he found himself living in Las Vegas, and he and a friend of his, um, who was another opera center, and they wanted a, a chick who could sing everything. And uh, <clears throat> my old musical director from the Clint Holmes show, uh, Bill Fain, and Clint Holmes himself, again, to, you know, Western New York people, they said, uh, you need to hear Janine sing. She, she's your girl. So I went and sang, and I could do you know, musical theater and pop and opera, and they were like, we love you, and I was like, okay. So I ended up hooking up with them, so now I have a trio called Paparazzi, and that, that's spelled P-O-P-E-R-A, I can't, hold on, P-O-P-E-R-A, 
Z-I-I. Did I spell that right? I think it's, anyway, it's I think it's Z-I. Like we'll put the I'll put the links to both of those yeah, actually absolutely. on the website That's so pop people like yeah. like you know shooting photos and stuff it's yeah. pop opera that's where we got the name from and I have been blessed as well to sing with them um, we tour North America and we sing with various symphony orchestras across North America and we've been up in Edmonton we've been down in Atlanta we sang with the Houston Symphony. We've done uh, Philly Pops, which is one of the top three, you know, pop uh, opera orchestras in the nation, and it's we've just been absolutely blessed to um, be able to do that. And and most recently, we actually did a huge outdoor Fourth of July concert with uh, <clears throat> excuse me with the Pueblo Symphony for ten thousand plus people, uh, and that it's just it's remarkable, like the, the little twists and turns my career has taken, and I'm. I'm blessed that I'm able to do that, and I take off a couple of days here and there. I'm actually on my way to Palm Springs. I'm doing a, um, uh event for Palm Springs Symphony with paparazzi. And uh, Frankie Chantal is always not happy. He's allowing me to take the night off so I can go and sing with, with paparazzi and do that. So I really have the best of both worlds, the best of all worlds, because I have the Frankie Chantal show five nights a week. I sub out and I do paparazzi with my symphony orchestras. Uh, that happens maybe every other month. Uh, and then I have my beautiful family that, that travels with me whenever it's conducive in terms of money and location and schooling because they, you know, they are in school. They have to stay in school. Yeah. Mommy can't go to school. I actually um, so, did, I did want to talk to you a little more about family. Um, what, how has life changed for you as a performer since you became a mom? What was that like? Well, priorities instantly and willingly completely shifted the minute my children were born. It was like I still wanted to sing, and I, I thought that the only thing I was good at was singing and performing, and so I had kids. And now I'm like, I'm a great mom, and I don't mind saying that because I am. I put a lot into it. I absolutely love my kids. <laughs> And, you know, even though I work at night, I am up with them at 6.30, 7 in the morning, getting them ready for school, making sure they have a good breakfast, making sure their, you know, lunches are packed and they have their, you know, their vegetables. And, you know, I mean, I, I want them to know that they are absolutely loved more than anything and that being with them is the only place on earth, if I had a choice, that I would want to be. Um, they are adorable and they have been, I mean, like, my, like I said, my daughter was in my belly until seven and a half months pregnant. And then when I was, when she was six weeks old, I went back to work in the Clint Home Show. And the beauty of it was because I had my own private dressing room, I would actually have, um, if my husband, you know, couldn't be home with our newborn, um, I would have my babysitter, who was a great friend of mine, she would actually come to the show with me. And she would just sit there while, you know, I was on stage and be with my daughter. So in between songs, I would come back and I would be like, oh, there's my beautiful girl, you know, and I would be able to see her in between my songs, you know, you know, costume changes for my, I mean, shows out in Vegas for only an hour and a half. So I was lucky to have, I mean, they would be at the show a lot. And, uh, and I still to this day, they, you know, they come to the show and they sit there and they cheer and, yeah, mommy, I can hear them in the <laughs> audience. And it's just, so amazing to have them up there and they came up on stage with me for my birthday which was June 30th and uh, Frankie Chantal loved them they, they each had a microphone and they sang happy birthday to me and it was the cutest thing and uh, you're like you said willingly my priorities just shifted you know I, I don't 
you know, my husband, if he's in town, does he travel a lot for his work? But, you know, he's like, oh, sleep in. And I'm like, you know, when the kids are getting up at the crack for school, and I go, I can't. I need to see their faces. I need to kiss them and make sure that they know that they're loved. And I want, I wish them a happy day. And, you know, I have the carpool I have to, <laughs> that I have to, you know, contribute to. And so it's really, um, it's really, we have a really amazing um families out here. My parents living two miles from us have been a, a great source of, of help, uh, you know, meeting sitters and whatnot. <laughs> um, it's, been, it's been great, and we've made a, a, a lot of great friends out here that are also very helpful, and a lot of other, chan- other entertainer friends that we, uh, we kind of swap, we taught swap with sometimes. So... That's wonderful. That's great. This is home. This is yeah. some home, and I'm really surprised I never saw it in a million years. I didn't even know about Las Vegas. I had no inkling it even existed, like, a couple decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> um, this, I've got to touch on this, um, this sense of your, your, just this inner sense that you have of, of being so confident. Um, I mean, you know, because of the industry that we're in, that that's not necessarily, uh, that's not how a lot of performers uh, view themselves, you know, or their, their path. I mean, I'm sure you've met, you've run into a lot of actors and singers and that that are have difficulty <laughs> with insecurity and that kind of thing. Where do you think the confidence that you have that, that really has helped you a lot, I think. Where do you where do you believe that comes from? Well, first of all, it does fluctuate. I have to say, it's not, but um, but it's a, it's definitely an inner core thing that happened. Now, I when I like prepubescent, mm-hmm. I was a very chubby child, very fat and very thin. And my mom used to say, "Keep that sense of humor." <laughs> <laughs> um, but that you know that helped really helped me, you know be thick skin because I didn't let them, you know, hurt me. I knew, you know, I knew that I was special. I knew, I knew that I had something to, to give back, and I didn't know what it was at that age. But that, you know, being being picked on at that age really helped me, you know, build character and, uh, you know, build a strong foundation within myself. Um, and having performed in my parents, throwing me in dance class, you know, reluctantly when I was, you know, five and making me stay in there until I was, like, 12 taking piano and forcing, and I was like, oh my God, you're torturing me. I was a tomboy. I wanted to go out and play. Um, but all these things, you know, have definitely led up to, it's definitely a course thing, that's all I can say, but I definitely, I mean, I have setbacks. I mean, you know, being pregnant and, you know, my first kid, I gained 50 pounds and the second kid, I gained 30 pounds and, you know, being that, you know, going back to being that fat and being that, you know, having been a fat little girl, like those kinds of insecurities come back. Um, but all I can say is, you know, there's, the, the word worry really has left my vocabulary. I, I am concerned about things and I can be concerned about my weight and concerned about, you know, the wrinkles, but I have to do something about it. And fortunately, I haven't had to do anything about the wrinkles yet, but I, I will because I definitely have those insecurities. When the time comes, I will. But, you know, when I was concerned about my weight, and I joined the gym and I started eating healthy, you know, stuff like that. But that is also knowing I can do that myself and lost all the weight. And people look at me now, they go, you look better now than, you know, when you were in your 20s. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. I did that. I didn't go and get liposuction. And I didn't go and get 
collagen injected in my and, and you know if you need to do that go for it I am not judging I don't whatever you know do what you need to do um, but I did it myself and that really helped me build you know this this core foundation of, of being a, a strong human being and you know when I get down and I get my you know PMS sorry guys but it happens um, I I really it's very very difficult to sometimes to you know build yourself back up but I look around and my at my children and the support for my husband and my my family and the fact that I'm blessed with you know still being able to be creative and five nights a week go out and entertain I have to look more toward what I have and than what I don't have so you know there's definitely definitely more you know I have I still have ambitions and goals that I've had since I was in my 20s and I'm never gonna let those go ever um, I'm probably going to be 60 and 70, and I'm still going to be entertaining, whether people like it or not. And, um, <laughs> I'm sure they'll like it. Just got to keep working, yeah. you know, at yourself and working at, at being grateful and thankful for what you have and not what you don't have. And it is it is a struggle. It is a struggle um, on a daily basis still for me. It really is um, because, you know, just because this industry is can be so dissuading at times, you know. Like, yeah. you know, just keep pressing along because it's just going to build your character and build your self-esteem. You know, everything happens for a reason. So sometimes the reason doesn't appear right, you know, in our timing. But hang in there and hang on, and it's going to be a, a great, bumpy, wonderful roller coaster of a ride. And I wouldn't want it any differently because if it was just steady flow, like a stream, I would be so bored. <laughs> you know, yeah. Life would be boring. I don't want life to be boring. I want it to be exciting and adventurous, and I want to thrive. And uh, you know, I can't wait to see what's around the corner. I don't mind telling people that I'm 42 and I still have a huge career ahead of me. I know that because I, I'm never going to stop learning and growing and thriving. And I'm blessed with the genes, so I don't look my age. And <laughs> I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep going forward. I think that's amazing. I actually think we could stop right there. Because <laughs> you pretty much answered like the last three, the last two questions, which was where do you see yourself going from here? And, and then, you know, what kind of advice would you give to other people? Um, you know, unless you have any, uh, anything to add to that, um, you know, if you had, do you have advice that you would give to someone who's just, I, anyone who really still has this dream, whether they're young and they're just starting out or whether they're even our age and they're still struggling and they don't want to give up the dream and they want to, you know, still go for it. Do you have any advice that you could give them? Well, I mean, I think I did touch on it, but my advice to anybody who wants to, you know, have a career in this business, um, you be reasonable and logical with yourself. You know, like I said, I'm 5'2". I'm not going to be a prima ballerina. So be, be reasonable with yourself. You know, if you have a, a decent voice, but you don't have a, a you know, a, a Celine Dion, you know, uniqueness quality that you're going to be, you know, the lead in a Broadway show or a, a recording artist, still hone those skills. But, you know, go to dance class so that you can, you know, because you can go and be on Broadway with a good voice and, uh, and good dance skills and acting chops. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be a diva singer. And you don't have to be a diva dancer or the best actress on the planet. You can still, you know, if you're a triple threat and you have all those qualities, you can go there. But the ultimate thing is just be true to yourself. Be true to yourself and, and 
you know, always from your heart, always, because people see that, people can see through you, people can see desperation, they can feel it, don't be desperate, don't be desperate, know that you, you know, you have an inner core strength, and if you don't find what it is, <laughs> find your inner core strength and find something that inspires you, and gives you, you know, the heart and the passion to keep moving forward, but always, always keep learning, always strive to learn, and strive to, you know, better yourself, um, Maybe you're, like I said, you're not the best singer or the best dancer, but you can certainly get there. You can keep working toward, you know, being the very best that you are capable of being. And you can certainly have, you know, the life that you want and the career that you want. So keep going, but be true to yourself. Um, and, and you have to stay optimistic that learning and knowledge, even within our, even within all these genres in, in the theater and, you know, film and, TV and whatever, all those communities, you know, building knowledge is absolutely key to, you know, and diversification within yourself. It's key to the thriving and maintaining a long, you know, career in this business. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Janine. You're awesome. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you. That's the end of episode four featuring Janine Valentine couple quick plugs for work that she's doing right now. Her pop opera trio, Paparazzi, just released a new CD, which can be purchased on iTunes. She continues with the Frankie Shinta show at the D in downtown Vegas. And as of the time of this recording, she is now hosting a new show called Live Well Las Vegas on Cox Channel 96. She is just killing it right now. This is definitely her time. Well, Thank you for listening to another episode of Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. I'd like to thank my dear friend, Kristen Cottrell, for her help in getting the podcast off its feet. Chris, you are an invaluable friend. And I'd like to thank all of you for joining and liking us on Facebook. Remember to tell your friends about Living the Dream Acting, the podcast, livingthedreamacting.com. And on Twitter, we're at Artist Dreams. That's at Artist underscore Dreams. Thanks again for listening. I'm Christina Kipper-Halstead, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. Have questions or a story you'd like to share? We'd love to hear from you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit our website at livingthedreamacting.com.